This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. As my good friend Angie has taught me, you don't say you're nervous when you're going up front. You say, I am so excited. So I am so excited. (laughs) Anyway, um, so I am excited because I know that what I'm speaking today is from the Lord. He's laid this on my heart, and I'm just trusting that it's going to be coming out in his words today, not my own. So um, I'm just going to say a quick prayer before we start. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I just pray, God, that I will speak from the tree of life today, your truth, that your truth will come forth. And right now, God, that you are speaking continually to what everyone in this room needs to hear in Jesus' name. All right, so, uh, oh, I need the clicker. The um, title of my message is The Widow's Miracle. And I'm not going to read the first seven verses because if you work in youth ministry, you lose teenagers very quickly. (laughs) Some of them are shaking their head. So I'm just going to uh, sum up the first seven verses, but we are going to be reading from 1 Kings 17, If any of you do want to look that up, um, I will have some of the scripture up. But what I want you to get with the first seven verses is what's happened, because I can sum it up in just a couple words. Elijah declares a drought. There's going to be no rain, not even any dew, until the Lord says so. So it's going to be really dry. And so God brings Elijah to a brook of water so that he has something to drink, obviously his prophet to survive. And then he commands the ravens to feed Elijah day and night with bread and meat. So Elijah's just hanging at the brook. But in verse 7, the brook dries up. So now he has to have another plan. And that's where we're going to start. So I'm going to read um, this portion of scripture to you that I have up. It is uh, 1 Kings 17, and we're going to read 8 through 12. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her, and she said, please bring me, he said to her, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as he was going to get it, he called out to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar 
And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. So what I want you to grasp from that little portion of scripture is um, that in verse 9, the word commanded means appointed or decided beforehand. So the widow was chosen before she even knew she was chosen. Um, And then also I want you to get in that scripture, verse 10, it talks about that she's gathering her own sticks to start a fire. And back in that day, that showed great poverty for her because if she would not have been severely poor, she would have had a servant doing that for her. So just some little things I want to point out to you that I think are helpful. Um, Next, I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So in this scripture, uh, this portion of scripture, I want you to look at the verse where he says, Don't fear, he says to the widow. I don't know about a lot of you, but when you're going, okay, so say that this is you. You have a child and you are going to die. And somebody asked you for the last of your food. Uh, I'm going to tell you, my mind would start racing and spinning in fear immediately. Like, okay, oh my gosh. Like, you know, I'm just being honest. Like most of us, when something arises like that, our minds just start going to fear. And, but Elijah, through the power of God that's in him, sees that right away. And he's like, don't fear. Don't fear. And what he's saying here is, don't let your fear lead you away from what God has planned for your life. I believe he's saying that to the widow, but I believe he's saying that to all of us also. Because fear will try to lead you away from faith. And that is, I don't usually do points, but to keep myself on track, uh, point one of my message today, the widow's miracle comes from her faith. See, if the widow goes forward in fear, there is literally no hope. She dies. But if she goes forward in faith, there's hope. And in this faith, when she goes forward, she has to trust God. I mean, think about this. She has no hope, really, in the natural realm. And she has no one to go to for help. In fact, she even says to Elijah, you're God. She doesn't even know his God. 
but she has no hope. But when she starts to trust, she has to take her eyes off of the natural circumstances. And so we also have to do this, that she has no food. There's a serious drought. She has no water. She has no husband. For us, it could be so many things that are happening around us. It feels like our world is falling apart. But we say, no, I'm not listening to the spirit of fear in which there is no hope. But I am going forward. I am trusting God and the God that there is hope. And I am just, I just know that he is for me. I know that he is with me. In verse 14, Elijah tells her, if you trust, if you will trust that God will do this, and she does. If, he, if she will trust, there will be leftover flour and oil. But she has to trust. And also, not that it would just be leftover till tomorrow, but until the crops of this drought grow again. So she went ahead in faith and did as God spoke to her. So this is a little bit off of the scripture, but I am a person that likes to add, ask God questions. And I don't know if anyone else does that, but I'll, when I was reading this portion of scripture, I was like, okay, why did you choose the widow? Like, why did you choose her, God? Like, couldn't you set your prophet up a little bit better? Like, bring him to a wealthy home where he would get fed really well and have a really nice house to stay in? I, I don't know why my mind goes that way. But anyway, I just was like, why did you choose her? Well, instead of bringing me to another portion of scripture, the Lord brought me back to a personal experience from three years ago where the youth group and myself, well, some of us went on a mission trip to California. And here is the picture of the group of us that went. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I do really have a point with it that I felt God was speaking. So when we went to California, I want you to understand, we I don't even know if any of us had been there. I had never had. But uh, we went there with open hearts, open minds, like, Lord, we just want to be used by you. We just want to talk to people. We want to love people where they're at. We didn't care financially where they were. We didn't care uh, their profession, none of those things, or if they even had a profession. We were there to try to reach the lost. And so um, on, this is on our second or third day that we went to Skid Row, and I honestly don't believe I have ever stepped into, when I got out of that vehicle, I can't even explain to you, it still affects me thinking about it, and that was three years ago. But uh, we got out of the vehicle, I felt like I was paralyzed looking at that helpless, filthy, heavy, place. Like, I can't even explain it to you if you aren't there. But 
the leader of our group is like, okay, guys, let's start moving. And I literally, I'm not kidding, I had to kind of like physically, okay, Kim, you're the leader, like move your legs like to go into that because it, it was crazy. Um, but I just have a couple pictures. We we didn't take a lot of photos while we were at Skid Row because it was just, it's again, hard to explain, but we were ministering to so many people. There wasn't a lot of time for pictures, um, but these were just a couple photos that we had taken, and now it's stuck. There it goes. Of the living conditions that they're in, that um, just the filth. And uh, But that day when we were at Skid Row, and the whole week while we were there, the cool thing, well, I don't know if it was cool. It's actually kind of sad, but what we found was that the people that had nothing were the ones that received us. The ones that had financially or were comfortable in life, they wanted no part of us and no part of our Jesus. And like, I wish I would have put this picture up, but there, the group of us that was walking down Hollywood Boulevard, we had this one sign that said, needs prayer. And people were literally walking, like it's a sidewalk. They would literally veer off onto the grass to get away from us because, so we actually decided as a group, let's not use the sign because it just like, people were not like responding to that. Um, but uh, we also, one more little story to kind of go with it is, so we went to Santa Monica Pier and again, at this point, this is later in the week, we have found out that who is going to receive us. And at the pier, you know, we just decided, let's just go find the homeless because they want to hear from us. They want to hear our story. They want to hear about the Jesus we have. So that's what we just did. Like, we just went looking for them because they received us. And uh, this, I know this is a really distant picture but I didn't want to show you the next picture till I showed you this one. But at the Santa Monica Pier, it, in this photo, it's Kathleen, Caleb, myself, and Victoria Tiernan. And we're talking to this gentleman named Arthur. He lives on this bench. Surrounding him is his blanket, some apples, some McDonald's bags. He says he has no teeth. He has nothing. I mean, honestly, he really has nothing. If you see what he's sitting there with, um, he said he loves California. There's nowhere he'd rather be. He uses the bathrooms at that beach. That's just where he lives. And um, we asked Arthur if we could pray for him, and he said yes, and he cried, and it was just he was just the kindest man. That's all I can say. He was just so kind, and... Uh, Something that Caleb noticed, I noticed it too, but it was a really hot day, so I didn't think anything of it. But Caleb noticed he wasn't wearing a shirt. And in his sensitivity to the spirit, he said, Arthur, do you have a shirt? And he's like, no, I, I just have this thing. And I don't know what these things are called. We called it a drug rug, but I don't know. It's like those itchy poncho things. That was the only thing he had. And so Caleb, who had just told Joel that morning that that was his favorite shirt he had ever owned. Every time I practiced this, I cried, so I did well today. 
um, took his shirt off and gave it to Arthur. And that there's his bench where he lives. But what I wanted you to get from these stories about our California trip was that, and what I feel the Lord was speaking to me about the widow is, Sometimes people that are in a comfortable place will not receive what the Lord has to say. Or, But people that are desperate, people that need hope, people that need the answers, like these people, they, they would receive his prophet. And that really hit home with me after he spoke that to me, and I believe it should to all of us, that we should never, we need to always keep ourselves in check because I think most of us in this room are in a pretty comfortable place, financially, physically, just wherever. We need to keep in check with our own lives that we're desperate for Jesus and that there is nothing that will keep us from hearing from him, receiving from him, or maybe someone he sends to us. We need to keep desperate. So the widow gave all that she had, and not only what she had, but for us that are parents, all that her son was her son's also. And so that brings us to number two of our points. The widow's miracle came through her sacrifice. As you can see in this portion of scripture, the widow was a very generous person. She was, you know, running around um, trying to get ready, finding these sticks. But when Elijah comes, she immediately stops what she's doing. And when he asks for water, she readily goes to get the water for him. And the crazy thing that if you think about this, it was a drought. She could have been like, hey, guy, I don't even know you. And if you want some water, that's going to cost some money because water's scarce and I can't even feed my son right now. But she doesn't. She doesn't even question. She goes to start getting him water. Then he asks her for food. And and in this part, obviously, we know what she says that she has. Um, Well, I was going to go to greater detail. I'm a very detailed person, but because of time, um, I baked a cake that would have been very similar to what the widow had. So it was a handful of flour, and I might have been even a little bit more generous than I should have been, but a handful of flour, a couple drips of oil, and a little bit of water, and I baked this in the oven. So that is what she had. Now, I don't know how many of you have had sons growing up in the house, but this cake that is super thin would not have even touched the appetite of my son when he was growing up, let alone myself and then another prophet. So... uh, I just want you to kind of have that visual of what she had. It was so little, yet she sacrificed it. And the thing that really hit me on her sacrifice, so God multiplies, 
this oil and this flour, the commentaries say that it would have been over two years that this oil and this flour took care of Elijah and the widow and her son. That's a long time that this kept on reproducing. But this really hit home with me. The flour and the oil multiply in her sacrificial giving, not in the hoarding, not in her protecting it, not in her controlling it, but her saying, no, I'm going to take this chance. I'm going to trust in your God and look what happens. That, that is like so big for us as Christians when we're giving whatever it is of our time, of our money, that we can say, I am going to sacrificially give this and God, you are going to multiply it beyond my thinking. First uh, Samuel 15, 22 says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And that brings us to our third and final point. The widow's miracle came by her obedience. The widow was obedient before she even knew that she was called, she, before she even saw her miracle. She had no idea, but she was still obedient to what was being asked of her. What if she would not have obeyed in the beginning? Well, obviously, her and her son would have died. There would have been no hope. And something that I really feel strongly about in this is that it was those little steps of obedience that brought her to that huge miracle that kept her and her son alive. And coming, like, over the years, um, I came, I had a dramatic, or uh, I had a really, how do I speak it anyway here? Because um, I wasn't going to talk about this, so trying to. Uh, I came back to the Lord when I was pregnant with my son, and it was a supernatural thing. Um, I had been running for God from God for a long time, and uh, I, I don't I don't know because this isn't even in my notes why that this is coming up. But um, I was disobedient to Him for many years. I ran like I, like I'm saying, and the steps of obedience started with number one. I I was. I know a lot of people don't know my testimony in the room, but I was I smoked cigarettes, I was doing drugs, I, I drank, I was just living a very crazy lifestyle, and getting pregnant with Brett was kind of a wake-up call. Um, actually, uh, there was my dad, my parents are here today, and my dad uh, had said to one of the deacons on his board, he's like, oh, Kim, she got married, now she's pregnant. And he was just really upset about it. And uh, the deacon goes, good. And dad's like, what do you mean? He's like, maybe that's what she needs to wake up and come back to Christ. He was right. Um, but it was little steps of obedience over these years 
starting with something that sounds crazy, I put my cigarettes under the couch, which I know that's like, I wasn't fully letting them go, but I shoved them under the couch. It was kind of like, okay, I'm probably not going to do this again, but it was kind of a safety net and then flush the marijuana down the toilet. And like, it was just a process. It's, it's a process of being obedient. I never smoked again. I'm not saying that, that Satan did not try to get me to because he did, but I just said no. And then it came in time as I got closer and stronger in the Lord, that obedience came to um, in 1999 when we started going to Glenwood to church and I was helping in the youth group and Pastor Jeff and Janelle Schmidt were brand new. We were in the Glenwood State Bank basement and Pastor Schmidt came up and he's like, Kim, I got to be gone in a few weeks. Will you speak for me? No. Like, I'm not even kidding you. There was not even a hesitation. Like, uh-uh-uh. I got a zero in some of my speech classes because I hated to get up front. So all the way home, the Holy Spirit dealt with me and said, you go and you call Jeff and you will do this. And I did. But I'm not saying that in the obedience there hasn't been a fight in some of those situations where I've said no at first, but because of fear, usually, but eventually the more times you say yes, that fear will fall off. And that's what he's been doing with me. He has been literally releasing me from a spirit of fear. Again, none of this was in my message. So, <laughs> uh, so somebody needed to hear some of this. So in closing today, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and the altar workers, because I just feel like this is something I was supposed to do today. Um, there's some questions that I felt that God really wanted all of us to examine our lives with these questions. And so I'm going to do things a little bit differently today because, again, it's what the Holy Spirit has told me to do. I'm going to read through the questions, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to actually play one song before we close because I want you to really meditate on these questions, and, and maybe you are going to feel a pull to answering the Lord today, and maybe that answer will be coming to one of our um, prayer warriors up here and praying with them. Maybe it will be you coming up here and praying and talking to the Lord by yourself. I don't know. That's between you and God. But these are the questions. And, and again, meditate on them now, but this week too. What is God asking of me to do in faith? Am I doing what he is asking? Or am I allowing fear to hold me back from God's perfect plan, from God's perfect miracle, from God's calling? What is God asking of you to sacrifice? Are we desperate for Jesus and depending on him alone to fulfill our purpose, our hope, and our miracle? Will you obey what he is asking of you today. 
that obedience could be something he's prompting your heart with right now. It could be something he asked of you 10 years ago and you're still warring it. Today is the day to say yes because that yes is just going to bring you a little bit closer to that miracle and to that destiny he's called you to. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.